0: Together, we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, everyone. Would you please stand with me as we welcome in our campuses in the Fox Valley and Stevens Point. Uh, would you please join me together as we recite the Apostles' Creed? This is our statement of faith in what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. It's nice to be here with you all this morning. My name's Phil Gunger, one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, before I get into the message here, this is the time in our service where we stop to take our offering. And we're not passing out the buckets anymore, although there will be buckets on your way out if you have uh, checks or cash that you wanna pop in there. You can do that as you head out. Uh, But during this season, we've really been making the focus and emphasis to give digitally, uh, which you can do. You can do through our app. Uh, You can do the text to give. Uh, You just text uh, CCWI, and then the dollar amount. Sorry, her purse was blocking it, and it like threw my, it's not your fault. No, I know, and now she's gonna feel all awful. We say that, yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's Ashley. Um, (laughs) So you can text to give. Uh, You can also give online through there as well. And I do wanna thank all of you who have switched over to the recurring giving. Uh, That's where it's just kind of like an auto-draft draw to your uh, checking account. Uh, We've had a lot of people in this last year switch over to that, which has been uh, wonderful. It's been great for us, and it has really, it has cut down the administration time. We were talking about it this last week, how if we had to go and the funds came in, all came through check or cash, that's literally another day, an entire day, of someone's work. And I remember when I first came here, we used to have two people on staff because you needed someone just to help all the processing, because we got to process the money. And I think you all want the tax benefit, even though I'm sure you're just giving out of the joy of your heart. (laughs) You know, anything we can get back from the government. Um, And so we got to process that and get that connected to everyone's accounts. And so we do appreciate you guys uh, for joining in with that. And if you haven't uh, jumped into a recurring giving, I do encourage you to check that out. Um, You can go on Uh, Line uh, when you click through there, or if you go on the app, it lets you kind of set it up there, or you can always call the office as well if you need help. Okay, blah, 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 (laughs) blah. All right, so uh, this morning, it is the fourth uh, Sunday in this season of Easter, and we'll be speaking about um, the story in John about Jesus being the good shepherd. He's sort of explaining who he is, and uh, first I wanted to tell a little story I don't know, three years ago or something, uh, my wife and I went over to Budapest. I was invited over there to speak. Um, And for some reason, I was there like three times in a year. I don't know. But I think I might be a big deal in Budapest. (laughs) (laughs) So serious, so my first trip ahead over there, first off, I, I barely make it over there. Like flights were being canceled, this big ice storm coming in. I make it over, there was literally one flight left. It didn't, couldn't even get me into Budapest or Hungary, which is the country Budapest in, but I could get to Austria. You know, of course, my US mind thinking, what, I'm gonna be a country over? That's like states to them, right? So it wasn't that far. Uh, so I got there, my uh, clothes did not get there. Um, I was wearing like sweatpants and a t-shirt because it was a long flight, so I did a little pretty woman shopping trip really quick because the stores were about to close with my uh, uh, guide there, the guy that brought me over and he was my translator, which was good because I'm not that good of a shopper to begin with and uh, I'm in another country and I just thought I needed a suit, everything, I had nothing. But I at least knew my sizes. So I think, well, I'll go in and I'll tell them my sizes. You know, I'm 40 regular, nine and a half shoe, this and that. Of course, the lady is just staring at me. And I thought maybe things weren't translating correctly. And I asked, you know, the guy that was with me, he's like, no, she can understand you, just those are US sizes, that means nothing. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, lady, then just look at me. I don't know what, what should fit, you know? And so there was, like, there was like a team of people all of a sudden at one point just bringing me stuff. I don't know, I got close, anyway. I uh, go to the event and it was the next morning and kind of a little bit jet lagged and so I'm a little loopy and uh, which sometimes I suppose could work for what we do. It's kind of a comedy marriage presentation and uh, go in and the guy says, well, would you mind doing a few interviews? Sure, you know, you gotta play it off like that's something that you do, right? Like, yeah, I do interviews. Absolutely, I would love to do those. You know, so I walk in, and I walk into the room, and there are news cameras all over the place. And I look, and I'm like, man, you, like, you, this is a pretty big event. He says, they're not here for the event, they're here for you. And I'm sitting there thinking like, do, they, do I look like someone famous in your country? Did they get confused? You know, I'm expecting to see a billboard somewhere, like some pop artist or something, you know, that looks like me. Uh, so. I went and I did these news interviews. Uh, it was like their national news was there. So it was like CNN, Fox News came to interview me. You know. And I'm just sitting there, the whole time I'm doing the interview, I'm thinking like, did they even check in on who I am? You know, I'm like feeling embarrassed. Like, like they went to my Facebook page and if you go to my Facebook page, all you see is like, like my personal one, you just see happy birthdays every year. That's my timeline. anyone else can relate to that? Like you have your timeline and all, you just see happy birthday and you scroll down, oh, he had another, oh, he had another, okay, he doesn't use his Facebook very often. So I don't know, so anyway, we go ahead and do these, these interviews and sure enough, after I'm done with my session, because there's all these speakers, these people all leave, and uh, I just I don't think they quite understand who I am, but I kind of kept on going. Because my wife and I then, we went to a museum and we stand in line for this museum, we're told to go to this museum, you're kind of walking, you're waiting in line to get your tickets and then all of a sudden, I kind of see people looking at me and I'm starting to get concerned, like we're in the wrong line, because. Everything's in Hungarian, which does not translate to any. You know you know. sometimes with Spanish you can see something that looks sort of like an English word and kind of make your way through? That does not work in Hungarian. Um, so I've, we have no idea. And they come up to me and they go, excuse me, uh, are you Phil Gunger? Yes. Please come with us, sir. Like, okay. So they take, they take us, and then the people who run the place come and say, we are so honored that you are here visiting our museum. <laughs> You, we have a personal guided tour with one of our historians who will take you through the museum. And I was like my wife's staring at me like, who the heck are you? Like, you know, like she's thinking maybe, maybe I live some secret life and you know, it's like, well, honey, I was a soap opera star in Europe for a while. It was before I met you, don't worry about it. And they said, oh, just, you know, we just asked that, you know, you, you take a photo with us after where let, let us get a photo, and, and, and if you'd be so kind to please sign our guest book that all our dignitaries and people, and I'm sitting there, what? And again, you gotta play it off like this is what you do. Yeah, ab- oh, absolutely, yeah, I do this all the time. Uh, but I don't, and uh, as proof, I actually have pictures. Check this out. So for, that's them taking photos. Look at how excited, they have, like the team's there. This is a big deal. Then you go to the next one. I'm signing, the look at the size of this book. <laughs> this is... This is huge, I don't know, and, and I'm posing there, right, you can come back to me, but I, I, I'm, I'm posing there because he's like, well, no, wait, we got to get another shot, just pretend, and I'm sitting there writing, just, okay, again, it was crazy, just crazy, I was just thinking, I don't know what's going on here, I've never been to this country, and, uh, and then the next thing we do is we go and we visit the opera house, because, you know, they Uh, Our host that was there said, you know, what what do you guys enjoy doing? And found out that my wife, she's a dancer, she enjoys the ballet. They do these ballets at this Hungarian opera house, but the Hungarian opera house is closed. But he's like, it's okay. Go there, they'll give you a, a private tour, okay? So we go there, and it's all under construction, but sure enough, people come out, and it's the guy who's doing the reconstruction on this thing, and this other lady. And we get this private tour. And then, again, the lady that's there just says, "You know, well, I'm with whatever magazine, I don't understand Hungarian, and uh, she says, can I just do an interview with you uh, at the end? Again, now clearly this is what I do, okay? So I'm like, yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely, oh my goodness, yeah, another interview, sure, you know? I feel like I'm on like, some junket promoting my TV show or movie. and. Uh, so we go, so she takes us to this beautiful room. They got a picture here of this. And, th- and this room, you don't normally get to. This, yep, this is the room where, like, uh, if, if royalty comes through, the king and the queen, they, they sit in this room, and this is where they get ready before they go, and see. And so you see the lady there. She's interviewing me. She's got her phone open. She's recording me. All right, she can come back to me. And so she, she sits down and ready for the interview, gets everything, she goes, okay. So being, you know, that, that, that you... Uh, Talk about marriage and also that you're such a fan of the opera, how do you see that marriage and the opera kind of intertwine and go together? <laughs> it is at this moment I can tell I've made a huge mistake somewhere. <laughs> Something got lost in translation between my wife liking the ballet and somehow me being a huge opera fan. And now I'm being asked to talk about how the opera feels to me and the connections that I can make between that and marriage. That you have a real fight or flight moment at that point, okay, right? Like that's, that's like, do, okay, do, do, I, do I run? Do I just come clean and say, I'm sorry, I, I, this is the first time I've ever been into an opera house. I've never seen an opera, you know? Or do you fight and you jump in and enjoy the ride? Well, I'm already on an awesome ride, so I jump in. I somehow connect how opera goes. And what I did is I think on the tour, and they had a little pamphlet, the guys, he's talking about the opera. I just took pretty much everything I heard from this guy and regurgitated it back to this lady. (laughs) Because apparently I'm having an interview with Opera Weekly, okay? And then, at one point she, well, what's your favorite opera? And what do you see with the characters? I'm telling you, I go on like 30 minutes like this. My wife is just sitting there. She took that photo. She actually videotaped part of it because she's like, how the heck is he going to answer this one? And I somehow did it. I don't know if that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, don't worry about what you'll say. I'll give the Holy Spirit to speak. I don't know if he was speaking specifically with that. But uh, <laughs> I made it through. But anyway, they're clearly, this, this was hilarious because I feel like these people... They don't really know who I am, (laughs) Uh, but I'm enjoying it, you know? And I thought, well, as I was reading through this story here in John with Jesus, Jesus is having a hard time getting these people to understand who he is, except in the total opposite way (laughs) of me. They don't realize what a big deal he is. And so as we look today in John, uh, and, and by the way, the Gospel of John, this this gospel, it's, it's not like the other gospels. The other gospels kind of go in chronological order, not John, he's just freewheeling it, man. He's, he's the feeler out of the group. And one of the big things he's trying to get through in his gospel is who Jesus is. Because if you can understand who he is, then you can understand how much he loves you and you can believe in him, right? So in uh, John chapter uh, 10, we're gonna look at, it's an I am statement that Jesus makes. And he makes seven of these I am statements Uh, that John records. He he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And again, he's making these statements, trying to help these people understand who he is, because they don't know who he is. In fact, at one point after the story we're gonna read here in a second, (laughs) the question they asked is, could he be possessed by the devil? Well, no, he's healing people, he can't be that. Like, they had no clue who this guy was. And he's sitting there, and of course, us reading it after the fact, it becomes very clear. Uh, But in this part in John, in chapter 10, he makes this statement about how I am the good shepherd. And now, being a shepherd, you know, it was an analogy that made a lot of sense to them, not so much this day. we don't have a lot of sheep rolling around and shepherds, you know, so we don't see all of that, which is interesting. You know, when I think of what a shepherd, in the, when, I, when I'm in my church mode, I call it shepherding, and it's like when I'm not in the church mode, I call it sheep herding. I don't know why that is. I could have left that in my brain, sorry. Anyway, I was just thinking through that. <laughs> it's sheep herding or shepherding. I don't know. Shepherding sounds more spiritual. <laughs> Growing up a church kid, okay. But this, <laughs> this image of shepherding, it made sense to them. and. You know, if you've, you don't know much about shepherding, as I don't, but again, I'm gonna talk about it as though that's something I do. Uh, with with shep, uh, shepherds, they have a very close connection with their sheep. Uh, they actually get to a point where the sheep can know just their voice. And then he goes and he names all of the sheep. You know, and whenever he calls them, they come to him. He's probably a little bit better than my dog. It's so, like, you know, anyone else have a dog like that? Like, he'll come to you if he feels like it at that moment. He's like, processes, well, I'm kind of doing this. I'd rather do this. Uh, but these sheep will follow him. And I was reading these stories where the, the shepherds can have, there can be multiple shepherds, all but their own little flocks, and they go into one pasture. And then if one shepherd calls, hey, guys, come here, or however he does it, just his sheep will come to him. And I thought that was very cool. So see, in the day, they understand this. They also understand uh, how, shepherds are, how sheep need a shepherd because sheep are stupid. <laughs> which is funny because he refers to us as sheep. <laughs> you know, it's true. Sometimes sheep are, they are stubborn, uh, not great, not super smart animals, which is like, amen, Lord. That actually probably is a pretty good description of me. But sheep, if you were to take sheep and you were to throw them in a pasture without anyone, what they'll do is they'll eat all the grass, run out of grass, they'll start eating each other's excrement. And then they die. Even though there's a green pasture on the other side of the road. Just not super smart animals. <laughs> so they need the shepherd. They can't pr- protect themselves. They can't defend my- themselves. If something comes after them, uh, they just take them out. And these shepherds, uh, the, the, the ones who uh, owned them, uh, treated them very well and loved them especially if you were a good shepherd, which is what he refers to there. So anyway, so he's using this good shepherd uh, analogy. And uh, you know, this it's a picture too that being a church kid and growing up, uh, I saw a lot. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like the picture of Jesus with the sheep around his shoulders. That's actually one of the earliest images, recorded images that someone painted of Jesus way back in the day. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this I heard it somewhere that was preached or something and they said that what would happen is when a sheep would run away and he continually ran away that the shepherd would break the sheep's leg and then carry it around on his shoulders until it you know healed and then he'd put it down and then the sheep would follow him wherever it went which sounded more like the plot of misery than any shepherd I don't know if you guys remember that movie Misery <laughs> With, uh, what was that, uh, Kathy Bates and James Kahn. Or if you haven't seen it, Kathy Bates is like this fanatic of this, this writer. Uh, I haven't seen this one in a while, so if I'll get this right. But he's, he's this writer, James Caan. He has an accident. She's nursing him back to health. She's such a fit. He's loving it. She's so nice. Thanks. But now he's getting better where he can leave. Well, she didn't want him to leave. So all of a sudden, he wakes up with his legs strapped between this piece of wood. And she breaks his legs with a sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, it's a real, ter- that, that movie takes a real sharp turn. If you go into that movie not knowing what it's about, like, oh my, is this kind of like a romance novel? This, it gets really like, okay, it takes a, takes a sharp right turn there. Uh, and um, unlike the sheep analogy, uh, James Khan did not want to stay there, he wanted to run away. And when I went to research this, because I'm like, did they really break sheep's legs? I found no record that that is true. So I don't know where I heard that or if you ever grew up hearing that from some pastor, but apparently that's like just a thing pastors made up at some point. I I think maybe to scare us away, I don't know what it is, but the closest thing I could find is they would put like a leg, what's called a leg break on a really stubborn sheep. He keeps running away It's something basically like a weight to slow him down so he can't get very far until you take him and put him back in with her. Anyway, I can move on from the sheep. (coughs) We're going, let's get into the text here. Actually, let's not. Let's take the next 20 minutes. I just want to talk about sheep. Anyone have any questions? No. <laughs> All right. So let's take a look here at John 10, starting in verse 10. It says, Jesus says, he, he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep Again, when he's using this, creating this, and he's talking to these, uh, you know, Jewish leaders, uh, religious leaders of the time, and I had to imagine they just think he was crazy. He's just talking about what was this guy into, sh- you know, shepherding, but he is talking about the church, which doesn't exist yet. He's talking about the Jewish people right there. He's also talking about what he's about to do and what we celebrated in Easter. You know, being a good shepherd and following him can sometimes be an easy thing and sometimes it can be tough. That's why I think that that first verse that I read, uh, verse 10 there where it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's a very important thing to remember because that's kind of what's Jesus about. He's come, he wants to come and give you life and that you can have life abundantly as the King James Version says it. And... Sometimes when you're following, like I said, you know, you wanna follow the commands of Jesus. Some of them are pretty easy, you know, and there's times where it's like it's easy to follow. And then there's times where you don't wanna do it. There's times where it comes against something that you think is right. And that's something that's very common in our culture today where it's all about just being true to your feeling. What's your truth? What do you believe in? And if you can feel good about that, then that's great. And then what you see is you see little collections of people, right, who all can kind of think and feel the same about a certain thing. Of course, those things don't last very long because they don't think the same about everything. And what you'll see is people will do is they'll come and they'll look at Jesus, they'll look at what he taught, they'll look at his commands, and then they go and they pick and choose which ones they want and ignore the ones that they don't want because they're just trying to be, you know, true to themselves because something comes up against them that's not great. And they think, well, no, that, that not, must not be right. I mean, Jesus couldn't say that. That seems mean or that seems something. But the thing you have to remember is Jesus, his whole mission, what he's about is that we would have life and have it to the full. And you can have some comfort in that when you are following him. He doesn't wanna lead you astray. He's not here to just make everyone miserable. But it's tough to do because, again, we think that we always know the right thing to do. Especially like, Nah, I won't even get that. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> Consider restraint sometimes <clears throat> is a good thing. Um, but what, so anyway, so he's, he's, he's sitting here and he's explaining this whole thing about the good shepherd. And he's talking about how he has come and these are his sheep, we are his sheep, all right? And he makes this connection between him and the hired hand. You know, And what he's doing is he's kind of basically taking a swipe at the religious leaders of the day, calling, you know, they're sort of the hired hand. And when he talks about when the wolf comes in and attacks, you know, one of the things he's talking about there is obviously it's, it's a devil, but there's this thing that we have to struggle with here on earth, and it is sin and it's death. And we have to worry about that. And us on our own, as sheep, just as sheep have no way of defending themselves against a wolf, there's really nothing that we can do with sin and death. You know, no one can live righteous all the time. And Jesus was the only one. He came down and he did all of this stuff so that he could go and he could kick in the teeth of the wolf, which is the sin and death, and so that we can live in him. And that's what he did on the cross. That's what he did, you know, what we celebrated with Easter, was this whole thing that we no longer just have to Trying to be about as good as we can be, but we can sit and we can r- sit in the comfort of knowing that Jesus made a way for us. Again, this is what He's trying to explain here with the Good Shepherd. All right. Now, if you kind of want a better picture too of how Jesus and this Good Shepherd thing applies, there's a common um, Psalm that I think most of us have heard at one point or the other uh, time or another. It's a Psalm 23. And it's the one where it says this, and I think we have this thing you give it to him. And of course, I gotta do this one in the King James Version because growing up, it's like the only way I learned it, kind of memorized it that way. So there's gonna be a lot of thousand things of that nature. But anyway, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what a good shepherd does. When you are stressed out, when you don't know what to do, you can know I can follow the good shepherd, that he has the best intentions for me. It doesn't mean that every day is gonna be, you know, rainbows and lollipops, but you can know that he has the best for you. He's gonna lead you through those things. And that even in the worst case scenario for most of which was, all right, you die, that's usually the end, he's saying, no, no. I've gone and I've won something there. And again, when he's saying this to these, them at the time, you know, when he talks about how I know them and they know me, I think that's such a cool concept there. You know, about you know, kind of how I was talking about how sheep, you know, they know the voice of the shepherd. And he says, you know, there's this flock, but there's also a flock that's not with us. And that's pretty much most of us here, unless you are, you know, you um, know, You have Jewish ancestry or something. But he's here for all of us. And and that's something where I don't know if there's been times in your life maybe you felt like you were far away from God, but yet there was something kind of gnawing in the back of your head, or you feel it in your heart, of something calling you. You come to church and you don't know what it is. You might not be a big churchgoer, but sometimes you can sit in church. And I've heard stories of this before. Sometimes it'll just be during the music and it's like they just begin to weep, or something hits them. They feel some strong emotion, some pull. Sometimes it's just hearing a message, sometimes it's out of a kindness that someone does. I've heard stories of people just being out in nature, and it's just like, oh, it just God hits them in the face. You might wonder well, what is that? Jesus is saying, You are mine. That you know my voice there's something inside of us that no one we can hear that we can feel that calling when Jesus is calling us all together and it's a beautiful wonderful thing because we live in a society today that's all about drawing lines it's all about separating people it's all about proving me right and you wrong and what he's saying is no 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 I'm drawing everyone together one beautiful Collection, one big melting pot of every color, this, that, or so call coming together if we follow him. And we're called to model that as well. To love others. And that's an important thing to remember, you know, it's it's easy for us as sheep to look at the stupid sheep that keeps running off the cliff over and over again. It has to be carried again, run off the cliff over and just think, well, thank goodness, I'm not that. Right? Because that can be one of the responses when we hear the message of the good shepherd. One is we can think that we're not worthy that we've done too much in our lives, that we're too much of a sinner, we're too much, you know, just junk. Even as Christians sometimes, you kind of feel like, oh, I can't worship God today. I was just such a jerk this morning, or this week was awful. It's like, that's not what Christianity is about. Because see, he came and he died on the cross to wipe out those sins, to cover those sins. It says that we are made as white as snow. And so you can come boldly. Because I don't think any of us stand here and think, yeah, we haven't done anything. I mean, just shoot, I probably have a list of transgressions that I did just this morning. Because <laughs> there's always that one person driving, right? And you just, anyway. I lose my religion sometimes on that stuff. Just, what did they do? That's one of the responses. Another response is, you know, that we think, uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. But yeah, he came to be my good shepherd because we think we're pretty good. And we do, we sit and we look at the others and we look at what they did and we think, well, thank goodness I'm not like that. But That's not the right way to think of it. You gotta remember they're a part of this and we're supposed to bring everyone together in this thing as we follow him. So this morning, I just, I want you guys to, you know, wherever you're at, maybe it's a thing of you've never really made a commitment to follow Jesus, this church stuff is all pretty new, you're not sure what you think about it, you know. Maybe you're like oh, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. <laughs> there are some people like that. But just to understand, listen, He loves us all, and He's calling us all together. And our job here is just to answer. Our call is to just follow. That's all we have to do is follow Him. And as we get ready to move into our time of communion here, um, I want to encourage us just to everyone just to take a moment. It says. Uh, You know, in the epistle that Paul wrote, he said everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so, before we partake of communion, let's just take a moment right now and just sort of examine our hearts, see where we're at. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer, and um, let's just get right before God again. You know, remembering it's not about your righteousness, uh, or if you think that you're doing really well, you still need that grace as much as anyone else does, because none of us get this right. And let's just get our hearts right. In resting in the comfort of knowing that he is our shepherd and he is leading us, amen? So you just pray with me as you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you are our shepherd and that all we have to do, Lord, is follow you. Thank you for what you did and what you did on the cross and how you conquered sin and death so that we can be with you for eternity, Lord. And God, in obedience to the scripture, we pause right now to examine ourselves. Lord, if we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done, by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, pray, Lord, that you have mercy on us, forgive us of our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And now as our heads are still bowed, If you're new to faith or if you've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I want to encourage you right now just to quietly, in your own words, ask Jesus to forgive you. Invite him into your life.